Father, thank you for, you said in your word that we could pray and ask for utterance. And so we do ask you, sir, for utterance today. Lord, to speak the word of God boldly, to make known the mystery of the gospel. And we believe that we receive it. And I pray that each ear would be open, each heart would be receptive to what you would say to our hearts today. And we give you glory and we give you praise for it right now in the name of Jesus. And now everybody said amen. amen. Turning your Bibles as you're being seated to Psalm 110, the 110th Psalm. This is such an awesome, awesome scripture here. I wanted to, to read it to you today. You know, we're talking about the revival that we anticipate and the revival that we believe we're in. And we've been looking at some characteristics of a revived heart. One characteristic of a revived heart is a giving heart, a thankful heart. And then I want to talk to you about having a serving heart or having a heart that is on fire for the Lord. And so that we can bring our supply into the house of God. In Psalm 110 verse 1, it said, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. And the Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. Notice with me in the New King James Version. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of thy power. Now, of course, the King James Version says, Your people shall be willing in the day of your power. Volunteering, willingness of heart in the day of revival. Volunteers in the day of his power. There is no time on the earth as we have yet to see today. This is a time of days of heaven upon the earth. And because it is, God is calling people off the sidelines. And he's saying, I need you to get into your place of grace. Because what I'm about to do on planet earth is unprecedented it has not been seen before and so therefore i need all hands on deck i need everybody rolling up their sleeves finding their place of grace and bringing their supply of service into the house of god <laughs> everybody say amen to that amen. say with me i am a volunteer, am a volunteer. In, the in the day of revival oh hallelujah Sign me up. Now, if you could see in the spirit realm, I have a captain's uniform on or a colonel's or a general's, whatever you want to say. And I'm enlisting you today. I'm signing you up for the service of the Lord. Amen. So everybody, glory to God, can serve him and just absolutely be blessed in their service. You know, the Bible says if you're willing and obedient, you're going to eat something. Does anybody like to eat? I sure do. I just mentioned ribs yesterday and Brenda brought me a half a slab home from Lucky. Whoa, thank you, Lord. I might get a full slab tomorrow. Amen. That was in addition to the chicken and the mashed potatoes, you understand. But does anybody like to eat? Everybody likes to eat. Amen. Well, he says, if you're willing and you're obedient, you're going to eat something. What are you going to eat? You're going to eat the good of the land. This land has got some good to eat. 
not only physically, but also spiritually. There's some great things that God has got in store for the willing and the obedient and those that will be volunteers in the day of his power. But not only shall we eat, but we'll spend. How many of you ladies, let's be honest about it. How many of you ladies like to go to the mall and spend? How many of you guys don't like your wives to go to the mall? <laughs> well, in Job 36, 11, notice this now. If they obey, that's the condition, and serve him, they shall spend. So they're eating the good of the land and they shall spend. They shall spend what? Their days in prosperity and their years in great sorrow. No, 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 not in sorrow, but in great, great pleasure. Think about it. Think about it. Willing and obedient, eating the good of the land, serving God from a heart of love, you'll spend your days in prosperity and your years in pleasure. Not only that, but the Bible says, if you will serve the Lord, he will bless your bread and your water. And he will take sickness right out of the midst of thee. I like it. You have scriptures to stand on. If you've been faithful to serve the Lord, you can hold those scriptures up and say, Lord, I'm eating, I'm spending, and I'm walking in divine health. Amen. I look the word volunteer up. The word volunteer simply means to a person offers himself for a service or for an undertaking. It also means a person performs a service willingly and without pay. Now, the church does not pay volunteers, okay? But God does. I said the church doesn't pay volunteers, but God does. God notices your labor of love. And He is faithful to do for you what you could never, ever do for yourself. Oh, man. God is so good to us. And so he says, sons, daughters, serve me and I'll take care of you. Seek me first and I'll add things unto you. Obey my word and I will run you over with the goodness of the Lord. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, in the Amplified Version, it says this. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, in, and beg of you in all the mercies of God. In other words, in light of what everything God's done for you, has he been good to you? Has he been good to you? Is he being good to you? Will he forever be good to you? He doesn't know anything else because he is a good God. So it says, in light of everything he's done for you, I mean, he took some of you out of alcoholism and put you into the kingdom of God. Put some of you out of drug addiction, put you into the kingdom of God. Some of your babies were on the way to hell, but when you prayed, God heard and answered your prayer, and now they're talking in tongues. Come on, somebody. Woo! In view of all the mercies of God, here's what he said. Make a decision and dedicate your life, your body, to God as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, 
which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service, and it is, in fact, your spiritual worship. I like what the NAS says. It says, which is your spiritual service of worship. So what you are doing when you bring your supply of service with your time, your talents, and your treasures to God, you're literally worshiping God. I mean, you may think you're pushing a broom, but in the king's eyes, your hands are lifted up, worshiping God. Oh, that is awesome, ladies and gentlemen. It is a spiritual service of worship. Think about it. Worship is not just a singing and a praising. But worship is rendering assistance. It's being useful. I believe this. That the most miserable people in this life are people that serve themselves. The most unfulfilled people in in life are those that have me, myself, and I, us four, and no more on their mind. Ladies and gentlemen, you are not saved to sit. You are saved to serve. I'm going to try that over here. You are not saved to sit. You are saved to serve. You are not saved to eat potato chips and nachos and all that stuff, gorging yourself in front of a television for your whole life. But you are called of God, anointed of God, appointed of God to serve the Most High God in your generation. Somebody says, that's good preaching, Pastor. Your people shall be volunteers in the day of his power. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 3 and 4, in 2 Timothy 2 verse 3, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a what? Now I know we're the bride of Christ. Amen? And by the way, Jesus is coming back after a bride, not a hooker. You understand what I'm saying? He's not coming back after some worldly church. He's coming. (laughs) I think I just got some of your attention. He's coming back after a glorious church. Lester Sumrall said that years ago. Yeah, Jesus is coming back after a bride, not a hooker. Amen. Just a thought. But we're the bride of Christ. We're also known as the sheep of his pasture. But we also are known as soldiers in the army of the Lord. Soldiers in the army of the Lord. Just as President Obama is our commander in chief over the armed forces, the Lord God Jehovah, Jesus, the Son of the living God, is the commander in chief, not only over the armies in heaven, but also over his army here on earth. And he said, no, notice this. He said, no man that wars, no man that enlists. And you know how many of you know that life sometimes seems like a battle? It seems tough sometimes. Doesn't it? But you know what? Sometimes you just got to suck it up. 
I mean, sometimes you got to leave the moaning and the groaning and start thanking and praising. And just know that there's no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But your commander in chief is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will also with the temptation make a way of escape. That's why he said endure hardness as a good soldier. I can remember Mother Pauline. She went home to be with the Lord recently. 102 years old. One time George Amaral brought the offering over to Bank of the West when we were over there on one of those places where we used to have church eons ago. And there was a robbery took place right in the midst of him making the deposit. And they got away with quite a bit of money. And I told Mother Pauline about it. She said, son, she says, no big deal. She says, just endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And you know what? That's good advice. And I want to give some of you that advice today. Things have been tough and they may get tougher before they get better. But just endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on him and eventually you'll make it to the other side. See, just because things are tough doesn't mean you should stop serving. Just because things... Oh, I'm preaching now. Amen, Brother Thomas. Good preaching. Just because things get tough doesn't mean you should stop coming to church. Church is not a place to avoid in difficult times. Church is a place to run to. I'm going to preach this whether you like it or not. Just because things are tough financially doesn't mean it's time to stop tithing. No man that warreth entangles himself. Entangles himself. Notice with me that he entangled himself. He allowed himself to get entangled. It's a choice whether you get tied up, tangled up, and bound up by the world system. It's your choice. Because as a soldier in the Lord's army, he doesn't want us to be entangled with the affairs of this life. Why? So that he may please him. Read it rest with me. Who has called him to be a soldier. Say with me, I'm in the Lord's army. And I, my choice today is to please my commander-in-chief. You will find that when you do, you will receive everything that this old world is scraping for. God will see to it that you've got light when there's darkness all around you. He will see to it that you have bread on your table. He will see to it that you will not be out begging because you're the righteousness of God. You're the seed of Abraham. God's got your back. You see, now all believers, every one of us, are to be in active service. Some of you have been inactive for too long. And I say that in love, and I say that in the right spirit. But I believe the Holy Spirit is going to activate you. That by the power of the quickening spirit of God, he's going to activate you back into service with him. Amen? Amen? Let me ask you a question today. When he calls you, what should your answer be? Yes, Lord, here I am. When he is first place, you are not 
first place. Life was never meant to revolve around your children. I know that's a revelation for some of you. Listen, when my kids were little, there was no choice whether they went to church or not. And I'll tell you today, both of them are in ministry. Both of them are in ministry. I did not lose my kids because I did not let my kids sit home and watch television on Sunday morning. I did not lose my kids because I did not let my kids sit around and play Nintendo. I know I just dated myself. Too many people are losing their children because their priorities are way out of whack. I'm telling you, it pays to serve God. It pays for you to be in church. If your babies don't want to come to church, just, you know, take the board of education and... You know, on their fanny, you know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about abuse. Amen. I'm talking about discipline. Too many, too many families are tore up because the world is designating to them when their kids are going to play sports. The question I have for you today, who in this room is exempt from active service? The Bible says, whoever will save his life will lose it. And whoever will lose his life for my sake and the gospel's sake, he'll save it. He furthermore says, he that finds his life shall lose it. But he that loses his life for my sake, what shall he do? He shall find it. It's not enough for Mark Thomas to live for myself. Somebody says, yeah, but you're called to, to be a pastor. But you know what? You're called to be a minister. Every one of you have got a call of God in your life. Now I'm going to get down here close where I can see the white of your eyes. Look quickly over to Luke chapter 14. Lord, let this become real in the people's heart. I love what Lila said, Richard, when she said, to be honest with you, the real reason why I serve is because I have eternity in mind. There's going to come a day. How many of you have ever been audited by the IRS before? Okay. All right. No, no big deal, right? Just so you're clean. If you're not clean, you need to get clean. Right? Okay. But there's coming an audit on your life. There's coming an audit on my life. And part of that audit is going to be, what did you do with the gift of grace that I gave you? The gift of service. See, when I get to heaven, I don't want to hear, well. I want to hear, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Enter in to the joy of the Lord your God. Now listen. There is a flow of the world system that is strong here in California. There's a, there's a real flow of worldliness. And along with the spirit of this world comes excuses. 
I call it the two syndrome. I am too old to serve God. See, the world will tell you, beware, Alzheimer's is waiting on you. Uh Uh-uh, God says, with long life will I satisfy you and show you my deliverance. See, the world system will say, you know what? You're too old. You just need to settle down. You just need to retire. You know, just work on your garden. Listen, in the Lord's army, there is no such a thing as retirement. There is refirement. And for some of you, there's reenlistment. Can I just preach a little while today? Can, can, you just, can you just be patient with me just for a little while today? There's too many excuses. I'm too tired. Too old. I'm too young. I'm too married. My honeydew list is too long. I'm too invested. I have too many things going on. I live too far away. I live too close. There's too much traffic. I have too many kids. I have too many bills. I have too much on my plate. What you're telling me is you're entangled. You're entangled. You have allowed those things to be priorities in your life to the degree that those things are choking your service right out of you. And when you get to heaven, you will not be excused. I'm not saying you won't make it in. But I want you to notice this. What I described to you is absolutely positively found right here in Luke 14. Verse 16. And then he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper, and he bade many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make what? The first said, I have bought a piece of ground and I must need go see it. I pray thee have me excused. The two syndrome, I'm too invested. I've got to look after my portfolio. How many of you know that portfolios change in this economy? Wall Street goes up, Wall Street goes down. Housing markets go up, housing markets go down. But one thing that remains constant is the Lord. He doesn't change and heaven's economy is stable at all times. Notice the next one. And another said, I have bought me five yoke of oxen and I've got to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Too busy. Another came and said, I'm too married. I cannot come. So that servant came in verse 21 and showed his Lord these things. And then the master of the house, he wasn't upset. He says, it's I. I understand. I know you're busy. No, that's not his attitude. Now, 
pastors like me are nice, right? I know I told you I couldn't come, pastor, have me excused, fine. But just because pastor excuses you doesn't mean the Lord does. Can I get a witness? No, I mean, we might as well just make it plain, right? And let's just be honest about it. The master of the house was angry. And he said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring the poor in, the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant of the Lord said, It is done as you have commanded, and yet there is room. Ladies and gentlemen, God's will will be done. Will you be a part of the Lord's army and be a part of helping him accomplish what needs to be done. That's the question. The question that many need to ask is, what is my service in the house of the Lord? And that's why we're having this job fair next Sunday. Because we have about 20 so teams in the church that we want to display We want to show you what these team leaders are doing and what the people that serve in those various teams are doing. It's an awesome thing. But you know, I had a meeting with several of them, two meetings in the last two months. And I've discovered that the needs for people serving in those teams is like this. Are you listening to me? And really, what we need is more people to stand up And say, Lord, you can count on me. Turn me to Matthew, if you would, chapter 9. I want to look at something today. I want to show you something that is so important. Really, when you think about revival, everyone say revival. revival. Pray this with me. Revive me, Lord. Revive my church, revive my life in the midst of the years. Another one is too tired. You need to suck it up and just get in church and serve. Too tired. That's no excuse. Not when the joy of the Lord is your strength. Not when you have the ability to wait upon the Lord and the Lord can renew your strength. Too tired doesn't cut it. Some of you are so tired right now you can't even stay awake during the service. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Seriously, I'm not mad, I'm glad. But you know, sometimes a drill instructor has got to make it plain. Anybody ever been in the Marines before? Well, you know those drill instructors, they make it plain. And there are times when a pastor just needs to say it like it is. Because here's, here's what's happening, ladies and gentlemen, in the body of Christ. There's two kind of churches. Well, actually, there's three churches. There's the fervent church, which you are part of. There's the fervent church that's on fire for God and that wants glory. And that wants revival. 
And then there's the middle church. And they kind of spice everything up and make everybody feel good and, you know, not much responsibility. They just kind of pat you on the back and thank you for coming to church. And here's a latte. You don't have to stand during worship. Just sit down. It's all good. (laughs) Can I be honest about it? That's just not us. And then there's the social church. Where guys come to hit on girls. Told you he's coming back after a bride. The social church. You know know what the social church is. They come to church and, and, oh, it's so good to be in church. Praise the Lord. Here's my card. I have a business over here. They come to church for business purposes. they're, They're socialites. There's three kinds of churches. But the fervent church, the ones that go after God, are the ones that are going to have God. Amen. That doesn't mean we're better than anybody. That doesn't mean we elevate ourselves above everybody. And that doesn't mean that other places don't have their place. It's just in this place, we're fervent. Amen. We're on fire. Amen. We're not nervous in the service. And I'm telling you what's happening in the body of Christ. There is coming to this earth something that we've never seen before. There is coming such a presence from the God of glory on hungry hearts that literally churches like this all over the nation are going to be filled with the presence of God. And it's not going to be manufactured by Mark Thomas or Brenda Thomas or Pastor Tom or Pastor Kim. I mean, it's just going to be such a sovereign presence. The miracles will be popping on the right, popping on the left. You walk into an atmosphere and you'll have to go out of your way not to have a miracle. And the hard-hearted will come into the kingdom of God. And you talk about lives being changed. That's what's going to happen in the fervent churches. That's why I preach this. And you say, well, I'm not fervent. Hang around a while. You'll get that way. But I was talking to a friend of mine recently. And he studied past revivals for many, many years. And I asked him, I said, you know, when the manifestation of the Lord hits like we believe it's going to hit. When the rains of the Spirit really fall. And really rains on a congregation and on a city. What's going to happen with the people? Is there going to be, are we just going to be in it like we're, we're not, you know, even sensing any tiredness? And he said, you know, I've studied a lot of revivals. And one characteristic that always follows those revivals, the one that ended them is exhaustion. Exhaustion. People getting tired out. And I thought to myself, what if we had enough labors to accommodate an ongoing move of the Holy Spirit? I mean, what if we had, what if we could get to a place in this church where it wasn't just a few people serving, but we got to a place where there was constant rotation and that no one had to serve 
over and over and over and over again in a month and become burnt out. What would happen in a place like this if we were able to keep our doors open Sunday through Wednesday every week? What would happen? I'm telling you what would happen. Lives would be changed. Bodies would be healed. But we've got to prepare for it. And we need to get more people to come front and center to be serving the Lord. Amen? So I'm here to enlist you today. And I want to close in Matthew chapter 9. And I want to read it from the message translation. The message translation. Everyone say glory. Glory. Say glory to God. Glory to God. Now I'm going to read this from the message. This is so good. Because really what I'm talking to you today about is your service is so connected with harvest. It's so connected with what God wants to do. It's not only, it's not just about you being promoted and and your needs being met. But when a congregation gets serious about serving God, their capability to reach into the harvest increases dramatically. See, because God's got to have a place that he can trust. God's got to have a barn that he can fill and that he can know that when the people are coming, they'll be taken care of. And it can't be done by just a few people. That's why he said that my people shall be volunteers in the day of my power. Are you ready? Message translation, verse 35 through 38. All right. Let's read. Ready, read. Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their diseased bodies, healed their bruised lives. Verse 36. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke. So confused and aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd, verse 37. What a huge, look at your name there and say, what a huge, what a big, what a tremendous, what a huge harvest. You know what you ought to be saying when you're going down 880, 685, 238, 101, 5 north, 5 south, and you see people passing by you in their cars, you ought to look at them and say, Harvest. You know what I ought to be saying when your kids come home drunk, full of drugs and stuff? Harvest time. It's harvest time. I'm putting in the sickle. Say it again. What a huge harvest. What a huge harvest. And so, based on that, he said something to his disciples. He said, but how few workers? See, a lot of pastors will, will say the same thing. What a harvest. But how few workers? How few tithers? Notice in verse 38. On your knees and pray for harvest hands. (laughs) And that's what we're doing in this place. We're on our knees and we're calling out to God to send in laborers from the north, the south, the east, and the west. We're calling people off the sidelines and said, it's time for you now to get back in the game, if you will, of serving. It is time The time and the day of the Lord. It's at hand, saints. It is at hand. You know, Pastor Tom is a master at getting people involved in ministry of helps. You know, one person defined the ministry of helps as H-E-L-P-S. 
having enough loving people serving. Say this with me. Having Having enough enough loving loving people people serving. And one of the things that Pastor Tom has discovered and has incorporated so diligently throughout the years of his service here is he has discovered, and we know this, that to expect a person to come and serve four, five, six times a month is unrealistic. And yet, we have people that are serving four, five, and six times a month. And as a result, they're getting very tired. And so what Pastor Tom has done, he said, okay, you can't serve three times this month, but can you serve once? Can you, can you carve out enough time out of your schedule to say, yes, I can be there. You can count on me. Enlist me. I volunteer for one time a month. And here's what's happening, ladies and gentlemen. When people will cross over that line of self into selflessness and commitment... God meets them right where they're at. I can hardly describe to you the joy of the Lord that is so radiant on the people's lives that serve God in this place. You can track their children. You can track their lives. You can see promotion on the right and promotion on the left. All because they refuse to become a dry boat rider. But they got into the water And Jesus met them there. Listen. I know this will resonate with several of you here today. There is something addicting about the house of God. There's, there, listen, I would not trade what I experienced in this house for all the money in the world. Because billionaires by the dozen who don't know the Lord are walking around with ulcers in their stomach worrying about all the money they have. I would not trade the most high for any cheap high that this world has to offer. Listen, it's addicting. And it's addicting in a good way. It's addicting to come to the house of God and serve God. The reports that we get about what God has done, I mean to tell you what, it is so good. It is so awesome. Now in closing, turn to 1 Corinthians 16. I know I said in closing before, the Lord will forgive me. So I just dropped by to invite you to serve. (laughs) Amen. I just dropped by to get you up, sign you up to volunteer. And I know my team leaders love this message. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, in verse 15, he says, I beseech you, brethren, you know of the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia, that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 15. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Now notice with me, it was his whole house. Teach your babies to serve the Lord. Teach your babies to give to missions. Teach your babies to come to church when they don't feel like it. By example. They've addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. 
Verse 16, that you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and labors. Verse 17, I am glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaius, for they which is lacking on your part, they have supplied. Say those words, they have supplied. supplied. Notice with me, there was something that was lacking, but because they were addicted to the ministry of the saints, they brought a supply. And that's what you do in this church. There's people that are going to be coming to this place. They're lacking in so many areas. But if you will just addict yourself to serving God, you and your whole household, you'll bring a supply to people that are in want. And you know what? When you get to heaven, you will hear well done. You might even hear some thank yous from people. They will walk up to you and say, thank you for giving to the Lord. What do you mean, thank you for giving to the Lord? You were in that nursery. You served. That smile on your face impacted me so much that I saw Jesus in your eyes and Jesus looking through you. Thank you for serving to the Lord. And I want to say, as senior pastor, thank you for bringing your supply, those of you that have. And I want to thank you in advance Those of you that yet will, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Father. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, Pastor Tom, come. We're going to receive communion today. I love that. On my knees, I'm praying for harvest. I'm praying for workers. Amen. Glory to God. The ushers are going to come. They're going to wait on you. And we're going to... Pray and we're going to believe God. You just take this word, hear it, do it, reject it. It's up to you. I'm going to love you regardless. But I exhort you in view of everything God's done for you. Get in where you fit in. Amen.